Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So good to be with you. Our topic today is getting free from criticisms, triggers, and reactivity. Getting free from criticisms, triggers, and reactivity. You're probably saying, absolutely, give me the magic pill. I mean, leadership is such a pressure cooker with people coming at us uh, from so many directions. I mean, so much does come to us as uh, leaders, and uh, we represent Jesus uh, and in public, even when there are families and circles of influence. So just by the nature of that alone, people have got lots of opinions and criticism about how we should be doing things. And then, of course, people do things or say things that trigger us. They're hot buttons for us, and we get angry. And so we find ourselves in situations where uh, all these triggers flare up. And then finally, we react then often, and and we feel terrible. Then we beat ourselves up in shame and anger. So the question is, how do I get free from people's criticisms and my triggers and my reactivity? I feel like I'm so sensitive. People often say to me, I used to feel like that. How how do I become... uh, a mother and father of the faith, uh, an emotionally mature adult, uh, someone who's whole, someone who's anchored, centered, living out of my true self and not anxiously, non-reactively. So that's a lot about what I'd say EH discipleship is all about, really, and the course is all about. We're trying to slow uh, people down, slow you down to be before you do and uh, begin to integrate things like silence and solitude and Sabbath and daily offices and a lot of the riches of the uh, slow down monastic tradition going back thousands of years, uh, inviting you and people like you and as you do the course and get involved in our materials to explore your iceberg and get in touch with what's going on in your inner life and in your feeling life and your uh, your interior world and discerning God in that. And then also doing things such as a genogram, you know, going back to go forward and getting in touch with your early messages and how they've impacted you. That you might know yourself and so you can know God and go forward in what God has for you. So this podcast in particular, I want to take it like the next level. I want to I want to approach it from a different angle, almost like Genogram 201. And actually, this comes out of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course where uh, Jerry and I, we've been teaching this to almost 200 leaders and pastors over the last eight weeks and doing genograms of a number of pastors and leaders from around the world. And so I found myself referring to today's material that I'm about to share with you. Um, As I would review people's genograms, I would bring up to them a number of issues. But but here's what I observed that that so many uh, folks, um, and I understand it so well, we live out of a false self. That is, our true selves are all locked up or blocked And so we say yes when we prefer to say no. We make decisions that we really prefer not to, but we want to protect ourselves. Uh, We don't speak up or or assert ourselves because we want want to avoid the disapproval of others. Um, So often have a hard time laughing at our shortcomings and failures. Avoid looking foolish or weak uh, in different situations. Um, Afraid of taking risks so often. Uh, Again, lest we look foolish. Or finding our worth and well-being and our performance, what we're accomplishing, you know, or what people think of us, getting popular, and and there's a lot of Christian nice out there. This underdeveloped sense of self, and again, there's there's a, a I'd say a beginning knowledge of ourselves, and then there's a deep knowledge of who we are. And so what happens? We end up as I observe in these genograms, we end up building walls uh, so people don't really see us. 
and it can be very lonely and it's very difficult to build community and to love others when I'm not willing to let you in to know the full me. Uh, and again, if I don't know the full me, I'm not intimate with me. How am I going to let you know me or be intimate with me? And so, and as a result, we're often very triggered, easily defensive, um, and not clear about what we think and feel. And then on top of that, there's a lot of self-hate going around and, you know, it's not okay to make mistakes and trying to be like superhuman, like a god. Uh, and then a lot of anxiety and inability to relax and be playful. And so just observing this and and, and saying, wow, um, you know, how do we get at this? How do I get free from criticisms, triggers, reactivity? And so today I want to I wanna kind of introduce you or expose you to a kind of a Genogram 201, another way to kind of uh, look at yourself and break free in Jesus. So uh, the, the, the first part I want to talk about, and I, actually the, everything's going to flow out of this one, is it involves embracing all of your parts, all the parts of yourself. In other words, part of maturing as a human being in holiness and, and wholeness is to embrace our brokenness, to embrace our vulnerabilities. Now, now you look at the Apostle Paul, for example, in the New Testament, and you see a, a gradual growth in his life where in the beginning of his ministry, when he writes the book of Galatians, which was the first book he wrote, or one of the first epistles he wrote, and he was in talking about the other apostles, he says, well, as for those who seem to be more important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. And so he's kind of like almost a little you know, pompous there, you know, doesn't matter to me what, you know. Uh, and then later he writes, though, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I'm the least of all the apostles. So he's a little more humble there, and a lot more humble. And then by the end of his life, after a long journey with God, he's really progressed. And he says, I'm the worst of all sinners, 1 Timothy 1.5. And so in other words, he, he's very much more deeply in touch with his humanity and all the parts of who he is. And so, see, our core identity is we're, we're human beings. We're made in the image of God. But because of sin entering the human race, we're also broken. As Luther defined it, Martin Luther, so well in, in classical theology, and that is we're both saints and we're sinners. I'm valuable and I'm broken. In other words, I stand before God uh, in the righteousness of Jesus alone. He was my substitute. He bore my sins on the cross. He imputes to me his perfect record and righteousness. I stand before God as if I've lived a perfect life like Jesus lived. And so I'm, I'm a saint. That's my standing. And I've got many good qualities about me because of, you know, made in God's image and and Christ. At the same time, I'm also a, a, a sinner. And uh, therefore, that's also a bro there's a lot of broken parts of me. And so if I'm going to grow into a person who's free from criticisms and triggers and reactivity, if I'm going to grow into a non-defensive loving person who's free, it requires that I embrace all of my parts. In other words, the, the, my, myself, a sense of myself as a human being, that I've got these strengths and I've got these weakness and weaknesses. In other words, I'm able to integrate my opposites, uh, things that seem to be in such a collision course. It's kind of like Paul in Romans, and he's in Romans seven, and his you know, there's nothing good dwells in me in that in, as a sinner, and then he's in Romans eight at the same time. It's like David in Psalm fifty-one; he's in touch with his sinnerness in, in that Psalm of repentance. At the same time, he writes in Psalm 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you know? And so he's, he's able to embrace saint and sinner. And again, that's classic theology. We are both at the same time. We don't err on either one of the two extremes. 
And so I'm going to read to you a list that I made up, but I actually worked on this for quite a long time, a number of years ago. And again, I, I pulled this uh, teaching out um, from a number of years ago, and I, I spent actually years on this. This was, this was part of when Jerry and I were working on what became the eight emotionally healthy skills. This was the one that did not make the course because it was just so advanced and required so much around that it was beyond what a course could, what could be included in a course. But it's tremendous for us here, in especially those of you listening to me in leadership as we engage our communities. So I'm going to read you two lists. On one side is going to be saint, and the other side is going to be sinner. And I'm going to break down that we're both sinners and saints very specifically into – I'm going to mention 24 different categories. Um, and uh, I, I hope that it will just help you kind of get in touch with yourself a bit and and the diff, embracing all of your parts. So – Number one, first of all, I'm a saint, and I said I'm right. That's a, that's a saint column. Imagine a column on saint. At the same time, a sinner, I, I, I'm, I'm also wrong on a number of things. So yeah, I'm right very often, but I'm also wrong very often. I'm a saint and a sinner. I can be very number on, on a saint uh, column. I can be very vulnerable and open. At the same time, on the sinner column, I can be very defensive and closed. Depends on the issue. I, I actually am both at different times. Uh, on the saint end, I can be very strong, you know, and very strong in, in Jesus and strong on certain initiatives. At the same time, I can, as a sinner's category, I can be very weak uh, and not have any energy or grace to actually approach certain topics. As a saint, I, I can be uh, secure. I feel very secure in, in actually doing this podcast right now. At the same time, I can be, as a sinner, I can be insecure. Uh, on giving a talk or giving a different kind of podcast on a different topic, uh, I can be. I'm a saint. I'm I'm very competent. Uh, you know, in pre EHD EH discipleship, I was really into being competent. I I'm a together leader. I know what I'm doing. I'm successful. I'm breaking new ground. Uh, but I wasn't so good at embracing my parts of. I'm also I'm competent, but I'm also incompetent. I also make mistakes. So I'm not competent in everything, and I make lots of mistakes, and there's lots of areas I'm not competent in. And uh, I didn't talk about that much because I didn't want to embrace those parts. So I overemphasized my, my saint part, but I'm competent and incompetent. I can be kind, and I can be hurtful and mean. Uh, yeah, both, depending on the context. Uh, every human being is both in different situations. I remember, as this is my, my mother, uh, who grew up in the 1930s in uh, – an Italian neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. And she just, she, she was raised in a neighborhood where there were a lot of like very famous mafia people. I mean, people that you read, you know, you, you watch documentaries about. And I remember asking her about two individuals in particular, and they were called Murderers Incorporated. And I said, Mom, how could you like hang out in the neighborhood? Like you knew these people, uh, your family knew them. And I don't understand, like, how could you be near these people? Weren't you afraid? And she says, Pete, they were so nice. They were such nice people. I don't know. Like, I didn't know that part. I didn't know that part of them. And I was like, yeah, they're kind. Yeah, they're kind on one level in the neighborhood. But they're also very mean and hurtful. Just like us, we can be kind. We can be mean and hurtful. We can be peaceful. Uh, we can also be violent, especially with our words and, and kill people. We can be loving. At the same time, we can also be hateful and prejudiced. Again, think of a saint. I can be humble. Like as a saint, I can be a sinner. I can be arrogant. Uh, I can be good uh, at times. I can also be bad. 
I can be very caring for certain individuals. At the same time, I can also be distant. Uh, I can be very smart about certain things, um, but I can also be dumb about other things, uh, depending on the topic. I can be truthful, absolutely. At the same time, I can be a liar and skim on the truth or exaggerate. I, I can love myself in a good way, healthy way, but I can also reject myself, have self-rejection, carry that too, and have self-hate going on. I can be trustworthy, uh, but I can also be untrustworthy, uh, where you can't rely on me. I can be uh, able to choose and exercise you know, strong sense of choice and empowerment. I can also function as a helpless person who's a victim. Uh, I can be a saint. I can be a hard worker which is good. I can also be like a sinner. I can be lazy. Uh, I can take responsibility uh, as a, again, the saint column. I can also be a blamer in the sinner column. I can be confident and self-assured. Absolutely. I, I can, you know, people would see me often in the pulpit or casting vision. Like here's Petey, so confident, amazing, self-assured. I can also be a, on the other column, sinner. I can be scared to death uh, and uh, lack all kinds of confidence. Um, on the same column, I can be very dependable. You can depend on me, but you know what? Uh, there are times I can be irresponsible. Uh, I can be decisive. Yes. I can also be very indecisive. Both. I can be teachable and open. Absolutely. I can also be rigid and closed and not teachable. Uh, I can be calm. Absolutely. Uh, I can also be anxious and agitated. Uh, I can exert and a healthy power, um, I can also be impotent. And that is like, I just can't do anything. Not talking about physical impotent. I just, I can't get anything done. Lacking all power. And so these two lists, and I actually read you 24 different qualities of saint and sinner. It's a fascinating uh, categories when you put them both side by side. But there, there's something where we often split ourselves. In other words, as a defense mechanism, it's all or nothing. I'm either all saint or I'm all sinner. It's either all right or it's all wrong. I only see my strengths or I only see my weaknesses. The gospel is, the good news of the gospel is, no, you're a saint and you're a sinner at the same time. I mean, the whole book of Romans is making that point. And the gospel gives me the grace and the framework to actually look at my shadow, my sinful part. And I can, I can embrace all my parts as a full human being, saint and sinner. In other words, I don't use my faith to hide from God and hide from my humanity. You see, if we're split within ourselves, uh, we're actually far from our true selves. We're far from God. We're far from the kingdom. We're far from all kinds of things. One of my favorite sayings comes from a story in the Desert Fathers about a fourth century monk named John the Short. A jealous fellow monk once approached John as he was teaching at the front of a church. And, the, and this fellow monk said to him, John, your cup is full of poison. And John answered, yes, it is. But you said that when you could only see the outside. I wonder what you would say if you saw the inside. Now, John the Short was not defensive in his response. He doesn't attack this fellow monk or fire off a verbal you know, nastiness to deflect the conversation away from himself. He courageously admits uh, it's far worse than you think. And what's true about himself, he's like the, like the Apostle Paul, he's able to say, I'm the worst of all sinners. You have no idea. He doesn't deny the reality and depth of his sinnerness. In, that, in fact, this is an indication of his spiritual maturity. 
Uh, he doesn't retreat into a self-protective shell. He doesn't stop serving others or teaching. Instead, he remains open. He's vulnerable to those who criticized him. You see, when I don't embrace all of my parts as saint and sinner, when I don't admit them to myself, it's very easy to get defensive and triggered. It's called low differentiation. You see, the following principle generally holds true. If there are certain parts of my humanity, my person that I'm uncomfortable with, and that if you bring them out to me, I'm going to label you bad. I'm going to go after you. In other words, even if I have a hard time being wrong, and then and you then disagree or have different ideas than me, I'm going to probably label you as bad or wrong. Why? Because I can't accept on the inside that being human means that I'm wrong sometimes. So, for example, you criticize me uh, for making what you perceive is an insensitive remark. What do I do? I react with anger. Why? Because I can't embrace the fact that, yeah, I'm sometimes incompetent and I make mistakes. Or, as one person said to me, you know, said to me more than once, as it happened to me, but a person said, I can remember it clear as day. And the person said, Pete, your preaching was awful tonight. And, uh, you know, at the time, because I hadn't embraced all my parts, like, what's your problem, you know? Versus, you know what? Tell me more. Because, yeah, sometimes my preaching does stink. Uh, or, or certain points of it stink. Or a supervisor says to you, gee, I wish you had done that differently. And what happens is rather than saying, you know, oh, yeah, what, what, tell me, tell me about that. If we're not in touch with embracing all our parts, we hear it as a criticism and not as good advice. You see, and for me, once I got in touch with all of my, the integration of my opposites, and I call it becoming a more integrated person, um, I got freed from actual self-hate in my, I, I was no longer going up and down with feeling, uh, you know, terrible with myself. So, for example, I, I would say to myself, oh, Pete, it, saint and sinner, it's okay to make mistakes. It proves that you're human. Or I'd say, you know, when I'm wrong, it's a wonderful opportunity to learn something new. Or it's freeing that I don't have to be right all the time. Or thank God I get to be a creature, a human being. I don't have to be God. In other words, when I embraced, began to embrace my own parts and admit them to myself, I just became much less anxious, much more able to relax, and actually a bit more playful. And uh, so if you're even just starting out in this journey of becoming aware, of self-aware of your parts, of your personhood, let me encourage you to uh, take our little 15-minute assessment to even get started of am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. It's a free assessment. takes about 15 minutes. It's a great start to begin to become aware of the different parts of yourself, saint and sinner. It's a, it's a good first step of awareness. But let me move on here. If we're going to get free from criticism, triggers, and reactivity, yes, I want to begin integrating the what appears to be opposite saint and sinner, but they're not. They, they go together. But I also, secondly, I want to identify the internalized messages that I received growing up and their impact on me. Again, this is like genogram 201. In other words, what we, we, we swallow or we drink out of our families growing up in the early years, especially, very often a bad, imbalanced theology. We, we preach grace and we believe grace, but so often we live law, for example. And if you don't understand your own story and the messages you received, you end up acting it out. So, for example, I know I in the early days, pre-emotionally healthy discipleship, I was working an 80-hour week to feel uh, in my first, you know, I first started pastoring, 
but I was driven by a need to feel in, to feel competent. I didn't want people to think I wasn't competent. I mean, how many of you, you know, had moms and dads to say, I, I, or parents or caregivers said, I'm so proud of you. And our history plays out at the next level and we end up projecting it on our current behaviors. Listen, we all have pain and wound, woundedness uh, from our early histories that prevent us from developing a strong, balanced, integrated sense of self where I'm a sinner and a saint. And so often church culture reinforces that. It's, it's really a lack of integration. And, and, and then there, what happens, there's parts of ourselves that we end up rejecting based on these messages. And this impacts how we uh, interact with other people. So like for me, for example, it wasn't okay to make mistakes. I had to cover that over as quick as possible. And so I, I sliced off those parts of my humanity and had all kinds of repercussions. But based on how you were affirmed or perhaps criticized uh, growing up, what messages did you receive about what what's a good person and what's a bad person? Uh, so for example, and uh, one genogram I did recently, a good person, a fellow said to me, is someone who's nice, who, do, who's, doesn't do, who doesn't get any conflicts, doesn't make people angry. Everything's always good, you know, looking for the good in everything. But the problem is that's all he did. Well, that had huge implications, has huge implications for how he functions in all of his relationships because he doesn't do the, the sinner parts or a lot of those sinner parts um, and it has repercussions. Uh, another fellow and, and his genogram, he always had to be right and competent and strong and self-assured uh, as a leader. And so that's what he projected. That's how he functioned, um, but had a very difficult time uh, embracing a lot of those broken parts that were in the sinner list. Uh, everything had to be successful up and to the right. And uh, again, just be, and, uh, another, you know, came from a Christian family, uh, all things work together for good of those who love God, but did not do things like pain and sadness and hard things, didn't talk about those things, didn't go there. And so I uh, sliced off all that part of their humanity. So again, unaware of how it impacts them receiving criticism because they can't take criticism uh, or actually give it either and but uh, and triggers and reactivity. So we go back, again, we go back to what we know and we're familiar with. So say, for example, someone says, I say to you, your third point in your sermon needed some work. And because of, again, in deep internalized messages growing up, you hear, you know, I stink. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. And so that's what you hang on to. Versus, oh, he's just pointing out a third point in the sermon that can be improved. I hear I'm dumb and stupid, or I stink. Or I say to you, can you get that book off the shelf? Oh, no, no, no. You probably can't reach it. You're too short. Joe, why don't you get it? And what you hear is not that, you know, I asked Joe to get the book. You hear, I'm a loser. Because that's, that's the message you go to. And so you close down. Um, you close down. Or I ask three people's opinion, but I forget to ask your opinion. And it touches something deep and it lands in your history because I didn't ask your opinion. And you withdraw and I'm inadequate, I'm invisible, I'm not competent, I'm stupid. Uh, and, uh, you know, versus probably didn't see you and asking the opinions. Or you come in, or I'm, I'm speaking, you come in late and, uh, or you don't, you don't take notes and you leave the event early. And what do I hear? You're rejecting me. I'm a bad leader. Uh, why? Because that's the early messages I got, you know, rejection, and you think I'm stupid and inadequate, and so I, I lash out at you. How rude you can be! Versus, you know what? Thank you for coming. How fortunate you could make half the meeting, or, uh, or versus, I must not be that important, you know. So anyway, grace. Here's the here's the here's the point of all this. Grace enables me to be fully human. I can be true to my whole self. I can be a sinner and a saint. 
based the base of the gospel, our theology is God loves you with all of your inadequacies, with all the stupid things you and I have done. And so that's why we want to saturate ourselves with the gospel and God's positive attribution of us, that you're loved, you're delightful, um, you're a joy, you're deeply loved. You got, I see you, says the Lord, I pursue you. And, uh, you know, we, we stand before God in the righteousness, clothed in Christ uh, alone. And uh, that's the great news of the gospel. At the same time, I, rec- I hold on to, yes, I'm a saint and I'm loved, but I'm also a sinner and hold on to all those parts too. But if I'm going to get free from criticism and triggers and reactivity, I also, and thirdly, I want to identify what are some questions that a mature friend or mentor or supervisor needs to ask me every week. In other words, <clears throat> in other words, we all have a struggle with integrating all of our parts, all those those things that are intentional on the saint column and sinner column, and and so um, there was one person I remember saying, and listen, you know. Uh, because he didn't do failure, he didn't do weakness. And so every week, his supervisor would say to him, tell me where you failed this week. Tell me where you were weak before somebody this week. Uh, another folks, person who didn't do anger, uh, didn't do sadness, didn't want to, because it was all considered so bad. And I would ask weekly, tell me where you got angry this week or something that upset you because he had to access that part of himself. He didn't do those kinds of feelings. Uh, others who, uh, like another, another person who, had, had much abuse growing up, and uh, but a, a wonderful leader, but did not not, not take tam- time for self care or to engage her dreams. And so every week was was the question a supervisor would ask is, "Tell me what you did to uh, feed your soul and do blue sky dreaming for your ministry this week," because that was something she loved to do, but it was like a privilege that a part of her that she didn't access very much in her life. Uh, a question I would ask myself often was, Pete, where, where did you make mistakes this week? And you didn't go into shame, but you just recognized it was just one mistake in one area. Uh, that it, it, I'm delightful. It's okay to make mistakes. I wasn't splitting uh, that. I can have a good sermon. doesn't mean it has to be perfect to be a good sermon. Uh, that's why I think Sabbaths and sabbaticals are so important because it na- enables us to get ourselves unhooked from performance and let ourselves simply be loved, period, and to be calm and non-anxious and peaceful. My own devotional time today was the mind of the spirit is life and peace. And uh, so many of us don't know that. And um, another person I'm supervising, I asked about where were you honest this week and said something that was honest that maybe you didn't, and maybe you didn't get validation for, um, that you're still lovable and uh, you made a mistake. And then finally, just last, as you think about this whole thing about reducing triggers or eliminating triggers and uh, growing, getting free from them, criticisms, triggers, and reactivity is just practice a non-defensive posture this week. In other words, when someone perhaps gives you critique, you say, hey, tell me more. Help me understand. In other words, invite feedback because we know and we embrace all our parts. We integrate the opposites like Paul and David did. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a saint, but I'm also a sinner. I'm right. I'm also wrong. Like I can be vulnerable and open. I can also be defensive. I can be strong. I could also be weak. I'm secure sometimes. I'm also insecure other times. I'm competent. Absolutely. I'm also incompetent. And I make mistakes. I'm kind. Yes. I'm also hurtful and mean sometimes. I can be peaceful, but there's also part of me that also is violent, uh, especially with my words and my actions. I, I can be very loving. I can be prejudiced and, uh, and not nice. I can be humble. I can be arrogant. I can be good. I can be bad. I can be caring. I can be distant. I can be smart. I can be dumb. 
I can be truthful. I can be a liar. I can love myself. I can reject myself. I can be trustworthy. I can be insecure. I can be empowered and make choices. I can be helpless and a victim. I can be a hard worker. Absolutely. I can be lazy. I can take responsibility. I can be a blamer. I can be confident and self-assured. I can also be scared. I can be dependable. I can also be irresponsible. I can be decisive. I can also be indecisive. I can be teachable and open. I can also be rigid and closed. I can be calm. I can also be anxious. I can be powerful. I can be impotent. In other words, listen, people come to us disintegrated, split, wounded, and we're reparenting them in the new family of Jesus. We are mothers and fathers of the faith. I think of that Rembrandt painting. But we, we've ourselves have got to do our work, letting God, letting God and Jesus form us and free us from defensiveness and immature behavior so then we can be safe for others that we're serving who may project their anxiety onto us and we don't get anxious. We're like mothers and fathers in Rembrandt's painting. We have hands on them. We love them by the Holy Spirit. And we begin to name and label their own journey in Jesus. And we begin to build a healthy, safe, biblical community over a long period of time. We're not triggered. We're not reactive. And we're able to create safety and non-anxiety for all those around us. I think one of the great tasks of leadership is to create safety. It's safe here, even with people projecting all kinds of stuff in it, because we've done our inner work uh, and getting free from criticisms, triggers, and our own reactivity. It's a life journey. So uh, listen, you may want to go check out our uh, and do a genogram for the first time if you've not done it. Uh, in the EH uh, Relationships course, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team, and there's a module there. It's free on doing a genogram, a leadership genogram, and you can do some handouts and a video, and I kind of do it as if I'm doing it for a staff team. Check that out. Or you may just want to take the assessment, am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? Uh, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature, and uh, it's a nice way to just begin to integrate all of your parts and not live a split life, and thus grow in freedom from people's criticisms, from your own triggers, and your own reactivity. Thank you so much. It's been great to be with you, and I pray you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks. 